0: All right, guys. Good to see you this morning. Thanks again for being here. Like I said earlier, my name is Mitchell. Thanks for joining us this morning. Anybody experiencing Jesus, his love, his presence? Thankful for it. So good. All right. Hey, before the message, just a couple things. I want to reiterate what Maggie just said to all of the new faces here. or if you've uh, just been coming around the last couple of months, but if you're not yet connected to a life group, well, I want to highly encourage you guys to come after church, the intro to Antioch. It'll be right upstairs in the prayer room. You go out those doors to the right, you'll see some stairs. And we'd love to have you join us, especially if it's your first Sunday. This would be just perfect for you. Just get a download of what church you just walked into, and we'll provide lunch for you, all right? It's on us, all right? So uh, come to that. We'd love to uh, meet you. And then another thing I want to let you guys know, this is mainly for our Pillars. Um, uh, Raise your hand, Pillars. There's several of you guys out here. So Pillars is kind of our term for members here at our church. It's those that really carry the vision and values and walk it out because we need more than just the five staff to uh, continue to walk this out. And so we're having a Pillars uh, lunch or Pillars meeting on August 20th. Is that right? Where'd Maggie go? I should probably know these dates. Anyways, August 20th, that's uh, two Sundays from now. And would highly encourage you guys to make sure you're there. If you are not a pillar. Then uh, we're actually going to have a little just 15, 20-minute kind of pillar interest meeting. If you're curious to know, how do I become a pillar? What does that even mean? And why does this church have pillars? And uh, that'll be really helpful for you and insightful if you're not in that team. So I wanted to give you guys a couple weeks' heads up. We'll remind you again um, next Sunday. Sound good? Are you guys ready for the message this morning? I'm so pumped here. All right. So we have been, like Larry said, been going through the Psalms this summer. And um, it's been awesome rich. And something I love about it is like every time we approach the word of God or we approach a sermon, like there we got we need to have faith that God wants to speak something to us and he wants to put something inside of us. He wants to help us, encourage us, convict us, strengthen us, you know, he can do whatever he wants. But there's just been some really rich truths that I think have been implanted in us this summer as we've been diving into these psalms. Uh, but my uh, other favorite part about this series is that we've had some in-house communicators preaching these messages, and so you got, you've got to we've gotten to share the wealth that's in this room of so many people that love God and God speaks to them and um, anyway so we are wrapping up this series this Sunday this is the last time at, at next week you're stuck with me for several weeks to preach so sorry guys but it is it is my joy and delight to invite up a man of God that's preaching this morning the one and only Tima Tarenkov. would you give it up for Tima he's gonna share this morning We <laughs> love this guy he's got a few inches on me as you can tell Just such a stud. He and his wife, Allie, have been just pillars in our church from the very beginning. He's actually going to tell the story, but he actually beat us here to Arkansas when we moved four years ago. Uh, So he was the first one uh, here. But anyway, let's pray over Tima this morning. Y'all join me. God, we thank you for our brother, and we thank you for the word that you've given him this morning. And I just thank you, God, that you want to do something fresh inside of us. And so more than just listening to Tima give a sermon, Lord, let us listen to your spirit and what you are highlighting to us today. And when we leave here changed, God, more like you, more in love with you, obeying you, following you, enjoying you. So thank you, Lord. Anoint our brother this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Give it up one more time for Tima. Take it away, bro. Woo! I'm here. Let's do this.
1: No backing out now. Um, yeah, good morning, church. I may be nervous, but please know that I'm actually really excited. Um, This is just an opportunity for me to grow and be stretched, and this whole process has been exactly that. And so I'm so thankful for that. So yeah, it's a good morning. Thankful for the weather. Anyone else? Nice rain? I usually tell my wife, anytime it rains, I ironically tell her, we we needed this. We really needed this. Just one of those classic dad jokes. Um, Yeah, so I want to start this morning by first just honoring and thanking Mitchell. um, The Summer of the Psalm series. This entire summer, just the whole thing has been incredible, the way that he's challenged us to read the Word of God. For a lot of us who did the Man on Fire, we were diving all the way in. It was like a mini ADS um, for prayer Sundays, offering Sundays, and even a corporate fast last week. This has been a summer where we weren't just called to rest and be lazy, but we we're instead pressing more on Jesus. And so thank you, Mitchell, for that. And I'm also... I'm sure y'all are glad that we've gotten to see some in-house speakers. Um, I know everyone that's spoken has just been, like, challenged, and it's been incredible. caused us to grow, and Mitchell easily could have just fired off eight incredible sermons. It would have been very good, but instead, he took a risk. He empowered the church body, and we got some awesome sermons out of it. You know, we got to hear Antioch's uh, first hit single by Jeremy Come out last week. That was incredible. I didn't expect that. (laughs) But, no, it's been great. Um, And, yeah, don't be fooled. Uh, There's no reason or design that I'm going last. It was simply because when he asked me, I said, Lord, I don't want to do this, but just put me at the very end. I'm I'm, going to have a child in between there. I'll be a father of two. And by then, the wisdom of the Lord, the boldness, it'll fill me up. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> here I am. I can't say I feel any different. <laughs> so, just a lot less sleep, I will say that. Um, yeah, so let me start by introducing myself. Few a few of y'all may know me, a few may not. Um, my name's Timon Tarenkov. I grew up in the Fort Worth, Texas area, um, from a family that radically loved God and was committed to the local church. Um, like most people, I'd sin in my life, and it was something that I was deeply, deeply living with. Um, it wasn't until my senior year of high school, um, my older sister, she shared a prophetic word over me, Whew. Um, testimonies are powerful, um, she shared a prophetic word over me of how I was trying to run after Jesus, but I had all these chains on my feet, and all I had to do was release them, but I was holding on to them for some reason. After that, I knew exactly what to do. I confessed my sin. I broke off a relationship I should have never been in. Got rid of a lot of toxic friends and went all in for Jesus. After that, I attended College of Texas A&M. It was great. (laughs) And uh, I knew right away I wanted to find a church with authentic people. And so quickly found Antioch. I jumped all in. I did want to be lukewarm in college. I wanted to be all in. And so I made it my goal to jump into everything. I was like, if they're having 6 a.m. prayer, I'm there. If they're outreaching, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to be there. I, I literally, like, tried to challenge myself to do everything because I knew what my flesh wanted was usually what I didn't need. And what I was being called to and challenged to by the church was the best thing for me. So in college... My faith truly grew. I learned to walk in purity, I learned to disciple other men, and I made lifelong friends. <laughs> Take a drink of water. Along the way, my senior year, I met a beautiful lady. That was' nice And uh, <laughs> on our third date, she dropped the news to me. She's like, "Hey, I know we just started dating." But I am moving to Fayetteville, Arkansas this summer with the Welches and a group of friends to go plant a church. And I, in that moment, was like, Lord, you must be calling me to Arkansas then. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> After that, we got engaged, uh, we graduated college, and took a job up here. And on uh, June 18th, 2019, I loaded everything I owned in the back of my Honda Civic, drove to, drove to Fayetteville. Like Mitchell said, I was technically the very first person here. I, bit, I beat M- Mitchell and Maggie by like three days. And for a moment, I thought, man, I sure hope this wasn't one big prank by Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thankfully, it wasn't. Um, and here we are today, four years later, with an incredible, thriving church um, now I got two children that are amazing. Um, now I drive a Honda Accord. That's right. That's a full-size sedan. <laughs> the Lord has been faithful, indeed. Um, and if we can throw up a picture of my family. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Elias. He's two, and Roman is, what, six weeks now? He's still fresh. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I mean, y'all can take a picture of that if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say that because Mitchell usually says that. (laughs) Sweet. All right, let's jump into the Word of God. We are going to talk about Psalms 101 today. And to give you some context of the Psalms, this is right as David is being anointed as king, right as he is stepping into office. I want you to think of it as kind of a presidential inauguration speech or Um, A declaration over himself as a king and a ruler. Um, David was anointed king early, but along the way, the Lord had to, you know, put him through some trials. He had to defeat Goliath. He had to be chased down by um, Saul, or, yeah, by Solomon? Saul, yeah. Um, And yeah, and along the way, he received God's heart, and this is him stepping into his kingdom Receiving the promise God finally gave him, and he's making these incredible declarations. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So I'm going to read it. Please feel free to follow along. This is Psalms 101. Read through the whole thing. All right. I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit Shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Sweet. And so, yeah, today we're going to dive into that, um, and we're just going to look at um, what David is saying of how we can walk with integrity with our eyes, our feet, and our heart. So, yeah, let me pray. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So yeah, Jesus, thank you that we are doing this, Lord, that you are present, and thank you, God, you have deposited this word in my heart, and I just pray that you would use me as a vessel, use my mouth, use my weaknesses, and I pray that you would speak to every heart here, that you would convict hearts, you would... Yeah, be just so gentle to all of us as we look at your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Sweet. All right. So when we were asked to pick a chapter in the Psalms, my brain right away went to Psalms 101. To me, it's one of the most practical. It's one of my favorites, and it's one I often turn to, especially when I'm, you know, trying to do a media fast or just trying to receive more like more of Jesus. Um, The psalm is full of a bunch of like I will declarations that I believe we are as believers are called to imitate and so I hope this is practical. I hope it leaves you with kind of some clear um, action points. So for some of you when you saw these psalms or read these read this you might think okay this seems pretty intense. David's being you know a little extreme dramatic you know he's he's cutting people off he's he's doing some pretty harsh things um but on the flip side some of you you know maybe you read this during this summer and you just thought oh yeah you know world's world's wicked i i'm not really fazed by it it doesn't bother me um some of you may have just kind of felt the weight that david carried when he talked about things of this world or the wickedness and so To help us try to get a different perspective, I want us to kind of reread this psalm real quick, but I want us to read it from like a father's perspective or a mother's perspective. And so what we're going to do is replace every word of like me, and we're going to replace it with my children or my child. And I want you to picture like your children, if you have young children, picture your grandchildren if you have young grandchildren, or if you don't have any children, just picture A beautiful young innocent child (laughs) sweet so it's going to be on the screen but we're going to start in verse three all right i will not set before my child's eyes anything that is worthless i hate the work of those who fall away it shall not cling to my children a perverse heart shall be far from my children they will know nothing of evil Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure around my children. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they would dwell with my children. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to my children. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house with my children. No one who utters lies continuously Um, Yeah, and no one who utters lies continually sleep before my child's eyes, shall continue before my child's eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the presence of my children. Whew, you feel that? Anyone get, like, riled up in your heart? Any, like, mama bears in here, you know? Where they are (laughs) at? Seriously, like, even if you don't have any children, you, like kind of got stirred up and think about that. Why is that? Well, we know that a child is beautiful. They're, they're precious. They're innocent. Their mind is still developing. And it's just such a, they're like highly influenced. Their brains are malleable. They soak in everything they receive. Um, and they try to imitate everything that is around them. And so naturally, we want to only give them that which is good. I mean, I see this with my uh, two-year-old. <laughs> he just constantly wants to be like me. He's constantly imitating the things we do. Um, according to him, my first name is Babe. Um, <laughs> and if you ask him, he'll tell you that. But he literally, because my wife will just, you know, shout it across the hall. So according to him, my name is Babe. <laughs> um, yeah, so the point that I'm trying to make with this alternative perspective before we truly dive in, It's not that this verse is just for parents and for, you know, to protect your children from the world, but instead I want to submit to you that these words, this chapter is for you. We are all highly malleable. We are all like children who are just a little bit grown up now, but we are all still so highly influenced. I mean, think about it. Regardless of your age, you still are constantly receiving new information. Thinking new thoughts, often without realizing it. Yeah. And so, that being said, man, let's dive into the three practicals of how we can walk with integrity. All right. The first point that I think David is trying to make. I will walk with integrity with my eyes. So let's look at verse 3 and 4 again. We're going to be jumping back to verses a lot, but bear with me. It's good stuff. All right. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me, and I will know nothing of evil. It's right on there in verse 3. It says, not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Now, that's a pretty high standard. And I personally have been convicted by this a lot because there's a lot of worthless things that I set my eyes before. There's a lot of things on my phone that I just will spend all my time looking at. And it may not be bad, but it's worthless. Um, Yeah, in the past few years, especially, I just feel like our phones have just been giving us more and more junk. They've just been designed to hold our attention um anyone remember when like social media was a place where you only saw what your friends were doing and then once you got to the bottom you just kind of like yeah I already saw that so I'm getting off gonna go live my life but now it's designed to have these like discover page and suggestions and it it honestly just it's feeding you all this stuff and maybe I'm just the only one that feels this way but I Feel like I just get stuck into what I like call a vortex, where I just I'm watching all these videos, suggested stuff, and it's like just filling my mind with all this junk. And a lot of times I've come across things that are perverse or just have like a you know crude humor to it, and it just kind of leaves me like frustrated, like, God, ugh, I hate this thing that I'm putting in my mind. I like hate that I just got on my phone. Right before I was supposed to spend time with God, and I was just going to you know, check for two seconds, and here I am 15 minutes later, and now i got to go to work in 10 minutes, you know? Like, I just hate that I'm filling myself with this stuff. I mean, if we look at the end of verse 3, David has a similar frustration when he says, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. You notice how he says he hates the work of those who fall away and not just those who fall away. We also see that he says, it shall not cling to me. So think about what I just described. I feel stuck. I feel like I'm almost addicted to the things that are being thrown at me, thrown at my mind constantly. Now, I'm not saying all social media is bad, but a lot of it is worthless, if you ask. You know, if you're being real with yourself. <laughs> um, especially if that's what you're giving your eyes to more than your family, more than your friends, and more than the word of God. So what do you set in your eyes before? And as a result, what do you fill in your mind with? Is it glorifying sin slash the work of those who fall away? An example of this that, yeah, something that my wife and I have implemented kind of early on in our marriage is we've made a rule that we would not watch any shows that even, like, showed or glorified or made light of, like, uh, marital infidelity. And we hold this conviction strongly, and there's been a lot of times where we'll start a show and watch a great movie, and then we're like, well, that's gross. Let's turn this off, you know, and maybe it'll ruin a couple movie nights, but this is, like, something that we truly believe in because we don't want to ever entertain that thought in our marriage or ever entertain just or even make light of that wickedness. Um, Another thing that we have decided is that we just aren't going to watch rated R movies. Now, this is our conviction, um, and, you know, I enjoy good movies, and a lot of them tend to be rated R. And so, yeah, at times I might be like, ah, I guess I can't watch that one. Eh, not for me. But I'm also so thankful for all the stuff that I know I've, like, protected my mind from because – I mean, it's just, a lot of it's just not what you need in your mind. You look at uh, verse 4. It says, a perverse heart shall be far from me, and I will know nothing of evil. David is clearly saying, get that stuff that is evil, that is perverse, get it far away from me. I don't even want to know about it. So why is this important? Well, our memories, when you think about it, whatever we see and hear, it gets imprinted into our mind. It becomes a memory. We watch a movie, and then the next, you know, that night we're sitting in bed, we're replaying what we just saw. You know, especially if it was things that might have been, you know, a little crude or perverse, you're replaying it, and then you're just like, ugh, that's gross, get that out of my mind. We say stuff like, I wish I could unsee this, or I wish I could forget that, you know, forget that. So... What do you your eyes What are you setting before your eyes? What are you allowing yourself to be entertained by? Because it truly matters. Luke 11:34 says, "The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is also full of darkness." So, yeah, church, let us instead be people that fix our eyes on things of the spirit and away from things of this flesh. I mean, think about the alternative to what I was just saying. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we gaze upon his beauty, when we look upon the things that glorify him, we're like enriched, we're encouraged, our spirit is uplifted. I mean, a lot of times when I feel like I've been just kind of chasing after or desiring the things of this world, one thing that a lot of times I'll do is to kind of shift my mentality and kind of recenter me is to just kind of think of it from an eternal perspective. You know, this life, it's going to pass us by. And one day we're going to stand before the Lord. And as believers, we're still going to have to give an account for how we live this life. What did we do with the things that God's entrusted us with? Did we waste it away? Did we live only for ourselves? Or did we pursue The things, were we faithful with the things that he's given us? I have to think about this when I, you know, want to go pursue money or go pursue hobbies or just go enjoy the pleasures of this world. All right. (laughs) Point number two. We're rocking. All right. I will walk in integrity with my feet. All right, we're going to look at verse 5 through 7. You can put 5 through 7 up there. Awesome. All right. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit, shall dwell in my house, and no one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. So David clearly is saying he does not want to surround himself by people that are wicked. He only wants to have in his counsel those who have blameless hearts that are pursuing things of the Lord. See, David, in his wisdom, had the same wisdom that a lot of mothers have when they tell their kid, I don't like your friends, or you become the kids you hang out with. So who are you surrounding yourself by? Who are those that have the greatest influence in your life? Or you can phrase it differently, who are the people that you are subconsciously imitating? You will naturally draw your identity from your closest and direct community. Think about it from the clothes you wear, the way you act, the way you talk, and the things that you enjoy. There's a quote that says, show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Um, My mom used to always tell me this, and I always thought it was like a random Russian proverb, but when I looked it up, it wasn't. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) Proverbs uh, 13.20 says something similarly, where it says, He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the company of fools will be destroyed. So if your closest friends are those who are chasing after the things of this world, you can bet that you will not be far from behind them. Now, recently there has been just, man, my heart has been broken when I see old friends from college who were once radically chasing after Jesus and now they've completely fallen away from the world. I mean, in college, these people were walking in purity. They were committed to the church. They were encountering God regularly. And now, just a couple of years later, they're, like, fully in the world. They're embracing a life of sin, and they've just walked away from God. I mean, it, it breaks my heart how someone can go from experiencing Jesus in a genuine way to rejecting him and going back to the, like, M- muck in the mire <laughs> the scary truth is we're not immune from this i mean no one is immune from sin if you look at the old testament i mean the nation of israel did this over and over they turned away from the lord they've chased after false idols even right after they walked through the red sea even right after they experienced the power of god so yeah, how does this happen? How are believers pulled away? Um, we're going to look at Philippians three seventeen through twenty. Paul, speaking to the Philippians, when he says, "Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the examples you have in us. For many of whom I have of- and I often tell you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destruction." Or their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. With mindset set on earthly things, But our citizenship is in heaven, and for it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I was encouraged when I found that verse, because I was like, this is exactly the point I was trying to make. (laughs) So I'm not too far off topic. Um, But yeah, Paul is telling us, man... Imitate those who walk after Jesus. imitate Imitate those who seek the kingdom, because if you imitate those who don't, you are just going to be pulled away from the Lord. And again, we're, none of us are immune to this. Now, in my life, I got to experience the positive side of this. Um, my freshman year of college, a few of May. May know, may have known me then, but I was pretty immature. I made a lot of mistakes. I was still learning. I was still growing. I mean, I was 18. Give me a break. <laughs> but uh, my sophomore year of college, um, a guy who was my life group leader and was discipling me, he invited me in to join his like, house of guys. And this house, well, there was a total of eight guys. It was a three-bedroom, two-bath, all right? (laughs) Now, these guys were all older than me. Majority of them had already graduated college, and they had stayed an extra year to do the Antioch Discipleship School. Um, So they were committed to, like, spiritual disciplines. They were committed to uh, following after Jesus. And before you think, man, this house must have been a mess, Like, literally, four guys shared one bathroom. (laughs) No, six guys shared one bathroom. The other two, it was in the master. We didn't didn't touch that bathroom. But, uh, yeah, the reality was we probably had the cleanest house in College Station. I know that for a fact it was cleaner than my wife and all her roommates' house. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason is that because, man, these guys, they, they, they drew hard lines. They set like they set rules and boundaries Um, before we all moved in together we all had to agree to a like printed out document that we all signed almost like a contract Um, and it listed out all these areas that we would commit ourselves to throughout that year the first one was weekly chores we all were assigned a area of the house like literally the toilet would get cleaned once a week the stove would get cleaned once a week um, and if you didn't do your weekly chore by Sunday night and someone else would literally have to go inspect it and sign off for you, you couldn't just... And they were harsh. They seriously were harsh. They'd be like, that's, that's dirty. Fix that. Um, and if you didn't do that, then uh, you would have to pay a fine. Like, I don't know what it was, like 10 or $15 that would go towards like a, like a group dinner down the road. Another uh, discipline or another rule we had in our house was a 12 a.m. curfew where if you were going to be out past 12 a.m., you just had to, like, text your bunkmate and say, hey, I'm going to be out. A lot of times I'll be like, why are you out so late? I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then the last one um, is we had a strict policy for confessing sin within the house. So if uh, anyone in the house chose, like, chose to fall in sexual sin, they had to kind of text the house and confess um, their sin. And the reason for this and the guys in their wisdom, they understood that whenever one person in the house had like secretly chosen to fall into sin, the temptation increased for the rest of the house. And the chances are if there's one secret sin in the house, then there's probably going to be another one not too far behind. And so, yeah. These guys, they made it a rule to, man, we want to get sin completely out of this this community, this group of guys. We want to be radically after Jesus. I mean, these were not just legalistic rules, but these were like a way that they committed to living like radically for Jesus. And looking back at it, I'm so thankful. Like it really like marked me and challenged me. And I like think about the maturity of my college. I feel like, most of it was attributed to that year. I mean, that's the year that the Lord pushed me into leadership, and I was just being stretched. And it was incredible to be around guys like that. And I got to watch them date their future wives and pursue, um, pursue them, and it was just an incredible learning experience. Um, and then after a lot of them moved away, I was like, I'm going to imitate this too. And so I invited in like a bunch of other young guys to like join and live at their house And we just, like, did the same exact rules. (laughs) Um, But it was awesome. And those guys are still some of my closest friends today. So I know a lot of you may have a similar story of how your life has been changed by a healthy church community. And this is exactly Paul's desire in Philippians 3 and desire of David, is that our closest community would be people who call us higher and have nothing to do with sin in the slightest. Now, I want to encourage all of you to seriously consider what environment do you find yourself in? Who are you surrounded by, and do these people look like Jesus, or do they want to look more like Jesus? Are you being called higher regularly? Are you in a place where you can confess your sins and be held accountable? If the answer is no, I highly encourage you to jump into a life group. Join a discipleship group. There is opportunities in this church for you to get plugged in and be surrounded by people that want more of Jesus. It is like truly life changing when you're just being constantly encouraged by people that love the Lord. Um, Because think about it what's the opposite? What's the alternative? If you're surrounded by the world, it's just going to push you into more self service, more self-worship, more hedonistic pleasures and you know the love of money and complacency and comforts. All right. Third point. I will walk in integrity with my heart. So, this is the final point. And the first two are practical and make a lot of common sense, especially to us believers. You know, we want to do these things, but the reality is it is close to impossible in your own strength. Before we can can commit to pursuing Jesus with our eyes, fixing our eyes on things of him, being committed to people that stir us into more of him, we first need to encounter God's heart and want to live a life apart from sin. If we're happy with our sin, then it's just going to be rules that we just get frustrated with. Without the reality of God's heart for sin, this is all a list of rules of should and should nots, And a list of rules will not sustain you, but truly experiencing the heart of God will. I mean, David makes it clear, but God hates sin. And we are called as people to also hate sin. This may seem harsh, but so is the consequence of sin. If we look at verse 8, the final verse of this chapter, David says, Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. David is saying, I will cut off all the wicked from the land of the Lord. Again, it's pretty intense. But think about it from his perspective. As the king, as the ruler of Israel, think about all the kings that have gone before him. I mean, if you read the book of Judges, it constantly describes a king as, this man did what was wicked in the sight of the Lord. He did not cut off the false idols, and he caused the people to stumble and worship after you know, the idols of foreign, you know, of foreign gods. And almost always their their rule, that king's rule, was like cut short. They were in war. They were in battle, constantly losing. They were like, there was famine, pestilence. The Lord was not happy. And so David understands this when he says, man, I want to be a king that gets rid of sin within my house. Just like my roommates had the rule where it's like, man, we do not even want an ounce of sin. Let's constantly be destroying us, constantly be calling it out and rebuking it because the truth is sin is destructive sin is not a cute pet that we keep around but instead it is a beast that wants to devour us i mean if you look at genesis 4 god tells cain right as he's fuming with anger right before he kills his brother he says that sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to have its way with you. The literal translation describes something as like a leopard that is like, like a sexually aroused leopard. It's pretty intense, you know. And then in Peter, Satan is also described as a roaring lion walking around seeking who he may devour. You notice that sin is never described as something that is cute or harmless. All right, I'm going to invite up the band to come up. Um, Yeah, and in closing, what I want to say is, I know that all of us desire to do what is right and to walk with integrity. But we also know that, man, this is not easy. As believers, we still choose sin sometimes. We still have sin that we need to overcome that is kind of like deeply ingrained in us. I mean, we look at um, what Paul says in Romans where it's like, man, we do the things that we hate. No amount of words is gonna convince you to change your desires. Only the Holy Spirit can change those desires. Only the Holy Spirit will search your heart and convict you of things that you didn't even know that were there. Only God can remove the desire of flesh in your heart. This is something we need to do daily. We need to receive his heart to hate sin and to love righteousness. There is a difference between knowing that sin is bad and receiving God's heart of the weight of how destructive sin actually is. Satan's powerful, most powerful weapon is to distort truth, to water things down, to water the word of the Lord down. And so often that will be his tactic is to say, it's not that bad. It's it's small. It's not affecting your life. But in reality, God hates it. And it is something that he wants you to release. It's something that he wants you to get rid of. Receive God's heart towards sin then our desires completely change and that is when breakthrough comes. Receiving a revelation from God is way more powerful than anything that you can learn on your own strength. One example of this is there's a young man in this church that um, shared with me a revelation God gave him about purity and he said He's been just receiving an incredible breakthrough in his walk of purity. And the revelation he received is that his purity is not his own. He has a wife out there who is out there somewhere. He hasn't yet to meet her. And his purity is for her. And one day he's going to meet her. It could be soon. It could be further down the road. And he, when he meets her, he wants to be a man that is pure because that is who she deserves. The reality is our sin doesn't just affect us, but it affects those down the road. It affects people we haven't even met. And it's that revelation that has just given him such freedom in his sin. So yes, let's ask God for his heart hatred towards sin. Ask God to transform your mind. Receive the revelation of the price that Jesus paid to rescue you from your sin, that will change you forever. I mean, the gospel is. heart. He fills you with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts you and calls you to more of Him. We also need to pursue the things of Him. We also need to set our mind on things that are His. And when we set our mind on things that are His, when we surround ourselves by His people, then we receive more of Him. And when we receive more of Him, that's when our desires are changed and we receive satisfaction that is true and real. And then we're dissatisfied the thing in the world. Think about before you were before you were saved, how you were satisfied by things that now completely you like to feel just feel grossed by. You like feel completely dissatisfied. Yeah. So this, when we apply these principles that David is talking about here, it truly has the power to set us free and give us breakthrough on any sin that we're holding on to. I know this to be true because that is exactly my story. Um, Yeah, I received freedom from sexual sexual temptation and sexual things when I gave the Lord my eyes, my heart, or my feet, and my heart. And it was the last one that gave me the most breakthrough. I knew, and I was surrounded by community, but it was when God gave me his heart gave me his revelation of how destructive my sin was. How there's a future wife out there, future children, a future ministry that is being affected by the sin that I'm holding on to. When God exposed that to me, gave me a heart of compassion, it just completely changed me and it made me dissatisfied with the things that I was giving into. So yeah, I want us to just receive God's heart. Receive his revelation because that's where we get the greatest breakthrough. And so, I'm gonna leave us with some questions on the screen that I want you to speak through, talk through with God. And uh, in closing, I'm just gonna pray for us that uh, hopefully you can just receive something from the scripture. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are God that loves us and that's compassionate. And you call us higher. You're gracious. You draw us to repentance. It's your love that draws us to repentance. And so thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you for your scripture. Thank you for the way that you call us into more of you. And so yeah. Lord, I just pray that you would deposit fresh revelations tonight, would you deposit things, the people